Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football editor at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you haven't as yet, become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And we've got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up, man? <sighs> not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. It's been it's been a weird week. Okay, so last weekend, I mean, I talked about it a little bit on Sunday, but mm-hmm. went out to Waco for college game day and for the game. And since that day, because it was like a 21-hour day, I just have not gotten rights. I just have not gotten rights. <laughs> That's what starts happening this late in the year, too, is like you just realize that you're not recovering the same way that you did right. back in September. And uh, I, I think it's finally starting to catch up on me. <laughs> Thankfully, the next couple of weeks, you know, we got Thanksgiving. We got mm-hmm. Thanksgiving coming up next week. That was uh, a thing. Yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. Um, we've got, uh, I only have to go to Waco again this week, there you, because, go. you know, only 90 minute drive. So that should be not too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Whew. We're almost, we're almost at the finish line. It's kind of weird. Like, what is this week? 13? I think that's right. I think is we're it 13? 13. <sighs> yeah. Out of man. 14. <laughs> what? Oh, look at that. We're almost done. I know it's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, okay. So let's get started. So first of all, mm-hmm. um, the big news in college football this weekend actually has nothing to do with FPS football. The Division Two and Division Three pairings for the playoffs are out now. Um, we actually recorded a podcast with Corey Hogue yesterday. Um, that's out today. That's a premium podcast. So, uh, and it's gonna it went through and we kind of previewed everything that's going on with the uh, Division Two and Division Three playoff field. And by the way, it looks like so obviously in Division Two, A and M Commerce and Tarleton State will play in the first round. Um, Charleston State is kind of the legit sort of title contender in that region. And in Division Three, obviously, Mary Harden Baylor comes in as the number one overall seed. It looks like FCS, we probably won't get a playoff team from the state, which is a little surprising. Hmm. Yeah, seriously. That's golly it kind of i guess you can say it kind of cannibalized itself this year a it, little that bit absolutely happened yeah I mean, you look across the conference uh the southland conference mm-hmm. rather and sam houston state was in a great spot yeah and then they went and lost to northwestern state and you just can't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go and lose to northwestern state and actually i'm pulling up the standings right now so there are one two three four five teams oh wait I can't even see what I'm trying to do. Okay, so let's see. There's one, two, three, four, five, five teams in the middle that are either at three or four losses. Then UIW has two losses and Nichols has two. So I guess UIW still has a chance, but um, but you know them playing two FBS games mm-hmm. doesn't help. You know right. when it comes to trying to build that resume in the non-conference and and Nichols looks like they're getting oh. I literally, oh my goodness. You're looking at last year's, aren't you? I am, oh boy. I was about to say, I kind of see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I, was okay. like, I was like, I know UIW's not doing that great let's, again this year. Let's let's start over. <laughs> We've got three two-loss teams yeah. uh, right now. Central Arkansas, Southeastern Louisiana, and Nichols. Sam Houston State fell down to five and three. Then you've got sort of the mess after that. And uh, even SFA is coming back. Lamar is coming back. Houston Baptist obviously has been competitive. Like, there just isn't an off week this year in the right. Southland. And that's been a huge issue for any other team that wants to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so now with Sam Houston State falling to six and five uh, and, and five and three in conference, they're probably behind that top three group. And you're probably not getting four teams in from the Southland Conference. 
so yeah, Division Two, uh, Charleston State again. They just finished their second straight undefeated season, which is damn impressive. I mean, that's something that does not happen. They obviously went on the road too and beat Stephen F. Austin earlier this year too. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a weird deal because Charleston has to play the team that's geographically closest to them, Texas A&M Commerce, in the first round just because of the way the Division Two playoffs work. Um, but they have a path. You know, they really do have a path. And actually, Bill Connolly, our, our good friend over at ESPN, actually is creating sort of an efficiency, like advanced analytics version for Division Two. And Charleston State is currently number one. So there's a real shot there. And obviously, Mary Harden Baylor coming back. Um, you know, they're the defending champs. They're going to have a shot again. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm curious to see how exactly it plays out. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get to uh, to our picks. So, obviously, our picks, as usual, are brought to you by Arlington CVB. Uh, hey, it's coming up quick. We got state right around the corner. And if you are in Arlington, you got to go to uh, you got to go to Texan Live. Obviously, that's the best place to go watch games. We're gonna again. We mentioned it a little bit. We're still trying to work out the details. Probably gonna be some sort of uh, subscriber meetup there. So we'll try and figure that all out. Um, but, okay, let's go ahead and get started. So let's get started first. There's actually a weird slate because we don't have any morning games this week. So let's go ahead and get started with actually uh, a game that you won't want to talk about. Nope. I don't know if you've seen the line. Is it? Have you seen the line? I've seen the line. Okay, okay. What number would you have to to have to bet on Texas State against App State? Like, what would the number have to be? To bet on Texas State. Golly, I don't know. Um, For me to actually put money on Texas State. Yeah. 35. I think I might have to hit 40. You think I might have to hit 40? That would not, I mean, right now, here's the problem for Texas State. It's not, yeah. that, it's not that they're just bad this year. It's also that App State's looking for style points now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're going to be looking to run up the score in Boone. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'd have to be, yeah, I mean, 40, 35 to 40 is, definitely sounds about right for me to actually feel comfortable throwing money at Texas State. Right. Well, you look at what they did last week. I mean, they killed Georgia State. That was by 29, and that was mm-hmm. on the road in Atlanta. Like, mm-hmm. this is a team that has gone out and killed people. Obviously, they beat ULM 52 to 7. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that's the sort of game that I almost see happening because. You know, especially with the way the Texas State has played offense the last couple of weeks. And they're coming off of a blowout loss. Mm-hmm. To a not great Troy team. To a not great at all Troy team. And now you're going to play a team that, like you mentioned, yeah. wants to get into that New Year's Six. By the way, we should say the line is minus, minus, tw- is minus 29. Yes. <laughs> at 5 p.m. on ESPN. Or, uh, sorry, 1.30 p.m. on ESPN Plus yeah. as well. Uh, just in case you're wondering how to watch that one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... 29 is not enough for me. Nope. Not <laughs> yeah. enough. I don't feel confident. Um, yeah. No, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know what else to say about this game. Um, well, when we when we saw the schedule for the year, this was always a, okay, that's, that's going to be bad things. It doesn't right. matter how this season is going. Right. That's going to mean bad things. Right. Um, you know, I think that you have to uh i think you have to compliment the way that eli Drinkwitz has continued the mm-hmm. success obviously at app state you know them losing scott satterfield could have been a big deal and yeah. it really hasn't at least at this point i mean it's very early hasn't been any deal at all really mm-hmm. 
And so they've still managed to dominate the Sun Belt. And uh, yeah, I think we both are in agreement that that will continue on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, to continue, I guess this is going to be something we hit on throughout the show, but uh, Pro Football Focus put out their uh, starting quarterback rankings of 2019, and Texas State's Tyler Vitt is 107. Ooh. So I don't think I've actually seen that article. Yeah. It just came out today. So we can kind of hint on the quarterbacks as we go throughout the teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Tyler Vitt, 107. So if we don't see Cedric Case or Jalen Gibson, just know that they're, they're using this time to continue to play the 107th ranked starting quarterback in the nation. Cool. Play Cedric Case. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's not really what you're looking for nope (laughs) Uh, from an air raid offense no less yeah oh man yeah okay so now the schedule gets weird because we just got a whole bunch of 2 30 p.m games yeah like actually i i try to come in here a little bit more prepared with the uh with the games list in order of time and i'm just like looking at this and there's literally just a conglomerate yeah all right let's go ahead and start uh let's start with with nortex at rice okay okay 2 30 p.m on nfl network nortex is a six and a half point favorite in this game uh they're of course coming off of a 52 17 loss to louisiana tech um and rice the fighting owls coming off of their first win of the season a 31 28 win over middle tennessee so here's the question is rice satisfied now that they finally won their game or is this the start of something yeah Oof. it is worth mentioning that nortex is coming off a bye as well oh yeah for sure for sure uh by the way on the pff rankings mason fine 34th yeah still despite having not a great year still considered one of the top quarterbacks in the country uh tom stewart all the way at 112 <laughs> now granted <laughs> he hasn't obviously started the whole year so it's hard to you know put all the blame on him as far oh, as no but, but uh that's that's kind of what they're going for um and by the way, uh, PFF does mention that he is one of the top uh, graded quarterbacks in the nation since week eight. Oh, uh, look at that. Fine. Fine. I was about to yeah. say Tom Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, okay, no. okay. That's that's well, another. I mean, despite every despite everything that bad that's happened, it's not all, it's not Mason Fine's fault. He's been fine. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good point. Like, if Rice uses last week as like a springboard, right, to the rest of this for the rest of the year and heads into 2020 taking the actual step forward that we kind of foresaw right um i what are you thinking about this one i think they do not do that i was about about to say i feel like this is a game that north texas is like ah defense we can kind of take the top off of well that's the whole deal right yeah rice is actually a very good rush defense yeah and they are not a very bad pass defense and so you look at that team and you just think oh my god they have to defend Mason Fine. Yeah. And uh, and again, North Texas, too, coming off of – when was the last time they had a loss that bad? I mean, are we talking <sighs> – Are we talking the bowl game last year, probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, and actually, similar deal, obviously, because obviously Mason Fine got hurt, and then mm-hmm. it just blew up right, in their right. face. Um, you know, like and, – and it's like that game, and then you have to go back to, like, their first season – like that's that's when it's really yeah, been I'm looking at that 2017 bad. now. Yeah, because when they played uh, in the Cusa final, that when they got blown out by uh, yeah F- by FAU. FAU, so probably that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened very much in conference, and for them to go and get beat like that, yeah. that just doesn't happen. And and look, 
Seth Luttrell's a good coach. Mason Fine is an elite quarterback mm-hmm. um, who I've started to see get some uh, some under the radar NFL jobs. Yeah, like those those kind of like up and coming scout right, Twitter right, accounts right. that are like, "Hey, Mason Fine's there." You know, I haven't seen the big guys tweeted out. I not, probably yet, won't. not yet. We probably won't see them just because they're focused on the top well, guys always. Yeah. But I I would not be surprised if we start to see those. You know, the Walter footballs, the things like that, where it's like underrated quarterbacks. We're not right. talking about. Right, right, right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I know a team that does need a quarterback <laughs> and will definitely not have a top, top draft pick to be able to get one. If Mason Fine gets drafted by the Chicago Bears, <laughs> if Mason Fine starts a game for the Chicago Bears next year, <laughs> I will buy a Mason Fine jersey. Like, it can be one game and he get cut. You know I don't what? care. <laughs> I don't care. Right, right. So, uh, anyway, there's that. Um, <sighs> but yeah, I think that. For me, I think that this is a. I, I think this is an opportunity to let it all out for North Texas and kind of just, you know, do, let out their frustrations mm-hmm. against a not very good team um, that really can't defend the thing that you do best. Mm-hmm. Now the flip side is that Tom Stewart has played pretty well the past couple of weeks. Yeah, he really has. And actually, the guy who. Um, you know, when I got to watch him live earlier this year, and I don't even think his numbers were great in the Wake Forest game, but but Brad Rosner, a receiver for them, has been really good. Mm. And he had three touchdowns last week. To, to me, that was kind of in the works. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as soon as he could get the quarterback play to do it, like, I think that this dude is a legit, like, all-conference type. If he can get that consistent production, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe even an NFL type, if he can get that production. So, um but I don't think that matters. No, nope, don't think it does. Um, yeah, I feel comfortable. As bad as it's been for North Texas, yeah. like I don't think they're there yet, or we have to worry about them against Rice. No, no. Well, I mean, I did have, I, I do have a friend in the program who texted me being like, uh, I'm just so glad that, that Rice uh, beat Middle Tennessee so that we don't have to worry about being their first win. You know what? That's not a bad point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, let's let's go ahead and keep moving. Oh man, there's actually there's actually a lot of good games on this slate too. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to SMU, three and a half point underdogs at Navy, two thirty p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Yeah. Uh, SMU coming off of that fifty nine fifty one win over ECU. Navy coming off of a fifty two to twenty demolishing at the hands of Notre Dame. Um, SMU coming off of a bye, which I think before we play an option team, always a good thing. Yeah. Um, here's the problem. Yeah, SMU, great rushing defense. Can't really practice for the triple option. <laughs> sure, you can't really translate that over. Oh, no look, question. they've played rushing. They've played. They've defended the run really well this year. Uh, so therefore, they can defend Navy, right? No, it's not how it happens. Uh, I was talking with Greg. Yeah, um, and it's kind of. I guess it's kind of the 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 consequence of college football scheduling because in high school football. If you let's say you play a team like Liberty Hill and District, right? Yeah. Liberty Hill runs a slot T. What do you do? You typically schedule a slot T team in non-district, right? right? Prepare right. your t- prepare your guys for you know give your coaching staff give your players a week of preparing for this system right. so it doesn't catch you off guard. Obviously, SMU cannot do that. No, <laughs> they can't waste a they can't waste a game against uh, Jackson or Kennesaw State, right? In right. FCS, who runs a triple option because they have to schedule Arkansas State because they're trying to get resume built resume right. points. So. What I'm trying to say is you can't take that metric and just uh, translate it over and say, ha, good rush defense equals good triple option rush defense. Navy's been awesome this year. Yeah. And I think it took everybody, including myself, like a couple weeks ago to realize, hey, wait, Navy's kind of overtaken Army again. Yeah, no, they have. They and with have. impressive wins, they 
uh, I think I think they probably didn't do as well against Notre Dame as they probably wanted to, but they've real they've just they hung with Memphis for a while. It's probably as good as anyone has this season. Um, they beat Tulane. They destroyed USF, and they demolished Tulsa, which against good teams is not a given. Um, man, like I don't know. I this this line is this game's tricky for me. I do think that they're disrespecting SMU a bit, making Navy the favorite, though. Yeah, I mean, it's on the road. Uh, it is on the road. For me, I, I look at that SMU defense, and like, like you said, it's not transferable necessarily that being a good rush defense means that you'll be good against the option. Right. But the one thing that I'll say is that they've gotten good play from their linebackers. They've generally been pretty gap sound. Like, the ways that they've gotten beat has been over the top. Yeah. Like, that's been the big issue for them. And, and I think also, like... Man, a guy who was a legit All-America candidate earlier in the year, Patrick Nelson, mm-hmm. you know, you start getting him and moving him around and, and trying to fill up those gaps. I think that actually that's a pretty good fit. Um, look, I, I don't think that you can ever feel super confident against an option team just because you don't know what the hell is necessarily going to happen. But the other thing you say, too, is a worse version of this team beat Navy last year. Now, yeah. it was a worse version of Navy as well. But I think that SMU is still going to be able to score a bunch of points on Navy. Um, now, obviously, the thing you always have to worry about is that whole, you know, wearing down and, and letting a comeback, basically, and, and keeping your defense on the field, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I do think that's going to be a legitimate issue. I'm curious to see how much they end up running, guys, versus how much they end up trying to, you know, aim for the end zone, stuff like that. Right. Again, the fact that they were on bye last week, I think, is very important mm-hmm. um, because it gave them a full week to worry about this. And... Um, and the other thing, too, is that they kind of were able to focus completely on this because their last two games are against SMU and against Tulane, who doesn't run the option, but runs an option-style system. Yeah. So I think that they were just drilling option all of the last couple of weeks. Oh, so for sure. I think that SMU is going to do it. Um, I think that they win this game. Um, and, and if you're going to give me more than a field goal, too, then for me it's not a hard choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Golly. Give me SMU. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Let's hold the other two 230 games because they're really good games. So let's talk about them last. Go for it. Let's move on to uh, to our true marquee game of the weekend. Honestly... Unironically, I'm I'm very upset uh, about a, an aspect of this game. UTEP is a seven and a half point underdog at New Mexico State, 3 p.m. on Flow Football, a pay-per-view service. Sure. So that means that because uh, they're asking you to pay to watch UTEP. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I I subscribe to a lot of things, right? Yeah. Like because yeah. I want to try to watch everything that I can and yeah. and all this. Like, are you kidding me with this? Like, I have to pay extra money to watch UTEP New Mexico State. Like, this is a game just for me. Yeah. You know, like, this is a game that it's me and the city of El Paso and the city of Las Cruces, and mm. that's all who's going to be watching. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make me pay extra for it? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> UTEP is coming off of a 37-10 loss to UAB. New Mexico State is one of the few teams in college football that has been consistently worse than UTEP, uh, they beat FIU. Oh, or sorry, they beat Incarnate Word thirty-one to twenty-eight last week. No, forty-one to twenty-eight, wasn't it, for their first win of the season? Um, again, FCS Incarnate Word. Uh, cool. I've, yeah, I have no idea what to take that. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, 
and here here's my thought again, right? Like the yeah. game is in Las Cruces, and the other sure. thing too is this is a legit rivalry game. Yeah, yeah. and Probably you're talking about battle of I ten. Yeah, you're talking about two programs too that are looking for their first FBS win of the season. Mm-hmm. But like when I look at this too, why the hell? Is New Mexico State favored by more than a touchdown? Not only that, ESPN's matchup predictor has them as a sev- basically seventy percent. What compared to thirty? So mm-hmm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, I'm trying to parse the numbers here to see where potentially that lo- that logic is. Um, so here's the, here's New Mexico State's schedule, right? Because they're an independent team, so they play a weird schedule. Yeah. So like they do have losses to Washington State, Alabama, Ole Miss. Right, like those yeah. shouldn't count against them. Obviously, right. Uh, they also lost twenty-one to San Diego State, a good team. Three points to New Mexico, New Mexico, which is probably their most promising result of the season. I can, go ahead. No, yeah, thirteen-point uh, loss to Fresno State, not terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven-point loss to Liberty, not great. Fourteen-point uh, loss to Central Michigan, not great. Thirty-four-point loss to Georgia Southern, horrible. And then losing by thirty eight to Ole Miss, which whatever. I think we're okay. So I think they're giving the ske- the strength of schedule nod to New cool. Mexico State. I think they're saying that New Mexico State's offense has put up better numbers and better. I mean quotations because UTEP's is god awful. Um, they've put up better numbers against a harder schedule, and their defense is only marginally worse than UTEP's on a harder schedule. I think that's where the logic comes from. Because, UTEP, you, you know, UTEP obviously has CUSA, right? The CUSA schedule. Yeah. CUSA's not great, top to bottom. And you have UTEP with teams like Fresno. Obviously, Bama and Washington, Wazoo skew that. But you still have Fresno. You still have New Mexico. You still have Georgia Southern, who probably would be a mid-tier CUSA team. Um, and you have Ole Miss, obviously. So I think that's where the logic comes from. I don't agree with it, that they yeah. should be, uh, that, they, <laughs> that the line does swing towards New Mexico State by a touchdown. But... I think that's where the logic is. They just saw, look, hard schedule, independent team. They're putting up marginally more favorable numbers. Yeah. So there you go. And that, I, again, I don't agree with it. I think it's way more split than seven points. Um, but you know, well, uh, I, I guess this is where the whole subject of quality losses comes back. Right. In. Yeah. Exactly. It, you know. I mean, it, it's just. Well, I mean, th- with that argument, then you could say that you know UTEP hasn't gotten blown out this year. Yeah, and like I mean, New Mexico. Congrats, New Mexico State's playing hard, but they're getting blown out. So like, I don't know. It's it's weird. I think that the reality is that we don't know a single damn thing about either of these teams because neither of them have really been given that much opportunity to prove anything. Yeah. Um. I mean, we know that they're bad. We don't know exactly how bad they are relative to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 You say. Um. Hold up. Talk for a second while I try to figure out what the SP plus. Yeah. I mean, like. It's. I mean, there's the rivalry factor too, and obviously, oh, you throw the records out the at the window and all that. But like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I, I don't know what to parse from either of these teams, and I don't know what somebody looked at concretely yeah. and said like, yes, New Mexico State touchdown favorite at home. <laughs> I'll tell you know what does give them a touchdown favorite at home. You what? <laughs> SB plus. Oh God. Yeah. Really? Uh, is it, it that bad? It's seven points. Um, Ooh, is, okay. is the difference between them now? Again. Uh, New Mexico State is number 118 in offense, number 119 in defense. Mm-hmm. UTEP is number 120 on offense and 129 on defense. That's actually kind of wild that they've been number 129. Yeah. They were pretty good last year on defense. Uh, yeah. So <sighs> my my thought process on this, and I think that I've made this argument before, mm-hmm. is that why the hell should we give New Mexico State 7.5 points against anybody? Against like literally even FCS teams? Why should we give them 7.5 points right. when they've – you know, their only win was against an FCS team. Mm-hmm. Why are we giving them seven and a half points versus anybody? Right. So I'm going to take the points 
and New Mexico State, New Mexico State very well might win. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be by three or seven. It's probably not going to be by ten. That's what I feel. So I'm yeah. um, give me the, give me the points as well. Again, I'm furious that Flow Football is the place that I have to go to watch this stupid game. You could also just not watch the stupid game, like me. <laughs> I'm not watching this game. I'm sorry. And <laughs> I will see you in 2020, Utah. But Deion Hankins. Deion Hankins. And, and you know what? And Gavin Hardison. I'll, I'll, if, <laughs> I just said two names. If Deion Hankins has more than 75 yards in this game, I will watch all of Utah Rice. I will watch whistle to whistle of Utep Rice if Utep if Deion Hankins has more than seventy five. God damn it! We'll just give him ten carries, please, please. I just uh. and and you know what? You know what? Yeah. SP plus does not take into account Deion Hankins. No, it does not. You know what? That is that is very true. That is very true. You better tell Bill. He has to, he has yeah, to put you the gotta, Deion gotta, Hankins gotta factor. Skew the numbers. <laughs> He's like, oh god, it's actually swung the oh, other way. Oh no, oh no, Kyle Luxley isn't starting anymore. What? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Utep cu- is actually a fifteen point favorite. I am now. curious though. Uh, Hardison outplayed the hell out of uh, Kyle Luxley last week. Yeah. I mean, I think Luxley will probably be the first one out, but I'm curious at what point they pull him. So, mm. and the other thing too is, man, <laughs> Gavin Hardison could sure use a receiver like Kyle Luxley. <laughs> oh my god. Seriously. <laughs> All right, UTSA. 20-point underdogs versus FAU, 5 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. UTSA coming off a 36-17 loss to Southern Miss. FAU beat FIU 37-7 last week. So earlier this week when we kind of talked about this, you know, we were talking about can Frank Wilson win his job back, right? Mm-hmm. To me, this is the game that if they look really good, mm-hmm. then you can have a conversation. Right. Because uh, they finish out with um, – Law Tech, right? Like they, yes, so yes, they're not winning that game, right? Like they're just not, right? If, Add Law Tech too, right? If UTSA can have a good performance in this game and win this game against a pretty good, not great, but pretty good FAU team, mm-hmm. a team that is definitely beatable, mm-hmm. I think to other teams not to, U- <laughs> to not UTSA. <laughs> well, well, let's see. That's my, you know, it's it's a team that that is not mm-hmm. in that top tier. Like twenty points is a lot to me. It is. And and so, for me, if UTSA can go and win this game, mm-hmm. and you can get to five, and un- and you at least finally have one against a team that's not absolutely god-awful, mm-hmm. you know, you have a, a win over a team that's actually pretty good, uh, if you can do that, and you have five wins, and you bring a decent amount back next year, like you lose Narcisse, obviously, but you hopefully get back Frank Harris, mm-hmm. um, you bring back Sincere McCormick, you bring back Rashad Wisdom, you know, you bring back a decent amount. Like, I think that we are all in agreement that Frank Wilson should be showing more at this point in year four. But you have something to sell. Mm -hmm. And look, the reality is in Conference USA at UTSA, like, nobody wants to fire their coach. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to put up the money to do that. Like, that's just bad for everybody. Right. Especially when you're trying to get funding for this new new athletic facility. facility. You know, and and everybody loves Frank Wilson. They just want to see results. Mm Mm-hmm. If you can have a good performance against FAU, that's what it will take. Yeah, golly, twenty is a lot. Um, I'm just trying. To, and granted, they've done this the, the past couple weeks. The offense has looked better. Yes, right. Lowell Narcisse has again. Maybe he should injure his get injured a bunch because he's been throwing the ball really well since since Apparently. He's, since he was literally out of that a game. hand injury too. Yeah, and he's been throwing the ball the best of his yeah, career no so far. Literally about a career it. high last week. Yeah. Um, so golly, because so so the argument against UTSA was always like if they score twenty four, 
can UTSA score a touchdown? Right. It was yeah. always why you would kind of go with the spread regardless of what UTSA did. Right. Because you didn't feel confident in them scoring a touchdown. Sure. Um, but they have. and They scored quite a bit the like last couple I, of weeks. If, if FAU scores 35, right, uh, I, I can see UTSA scoring 17. Definitely. Um. Like they've been really clicking, even without like last week. McCormick wasn't even that good; I mean, he was bad. Yeah, and yeah. Narcisse was carrying that offense. Yeah, um, give me the po- or yeah, give me the points, man. Give me the um, give me UTSA to cover. Yeah, because uh, I like. Um, I don't know. I just I, I don't know if it's going to be enough to save his job. Yeah, uh, even if they lose by fourteen or something, I, I don't um, think that's enough. But they've just they have looked better, and I don't know how to explain it really. Yeah, because it's really odd. <laughs> well. If you look at UTSA this year, I'm going to get the line being 20. They lost by 19 to Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. They lost by 19 to UAB. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they got killed by UNT, mm-hmm. uh, and they got killed by A&M, obviously. But even, even A&M was only 31. Right. Um, 18 to Army. Like, they haven't gotten blown out by 20 very mm-hmm. much this season, and I don't really see FAU as the dominant team that's going to come in, come into their house and do it, mm-hmm. necessarily. Now, they're again, they're a better team, so they should win. Sure. But uh, but again, like FAU is good this year. They're not, They're not great. Like like next week you go to Louisiana Tech. That's a great CUSA team, right? right? Like that is a great Conference USA team. Um, FAU is fine. You know, FAU is an above average Conference USA team, and so I just don't see them being the team that's going to come in there and win by twenty. And also, UTSA hasn't been a team that, like they haven't been terrible against the pass or they've kind of been equally mediocre in both right um and fau i don't know like fau i don't see them being able to dominate or get to a 40 or 50 point margin that they would probably need they would need to get to to get to the margin because utsa's offense has been better they'd need to so uh both of us picking them to cover uh moving on texas tech two and a half point favorites wow versus kansas state 6 p.m. on FS1. Yeah. Tech lost 33-31 to, to TCU last week, and Kansas State lost 24-22. Yeah, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, so this is basically like, what do you take from last week from both teams? Right. Like, do uh, you again, t- this is in Lubbock. Right? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, night game in Lubbock, so there's always an asterisk. Um, <laughs> but it's also like, okay, do you take first half Texas Tech or second half Texas Tech? Or do you take whatever that was against Virginia, Virginia West Virginia from Kansas State? Yeah. Um, my, my gut, my gut is telling me to take Texas Tech. Okay. Because they obviously need this game more. Definitely. They need this game more at home. They want to go bowling in Matt Wills. They want to reward him for, for doing a lot better than I think a lot of people gave him credit, uh, or anticipated him doing. Yeah. Um, with a lot of close losses, a lot of write a lot of writing the ship multiple times this season yeah um my gut instinct is telling me tech yeah. tell me i'm wrong <laughs> if this game was played week four yeah then i'd feel better about that mm-hmm. um and the reason that i say that it will and, and actually we can we can look again and i think we talked about this on the last podcast but i have to reiterate like mm-hmm. they should have they were better than arizona they were a better team than arizona and we're still having their last by two touchdowns they should have beat bailey right mm-hmm. that's two games they should have beat Kansas if mm-hmm. Douglas Coleman doesn't p- right. try to pitch the ball. And they should have beat D.C. last week if uh, if they don't fumble on the first play of what could have been a game-winning field goal drive. Right. They started at midfield, basically. Yeah. Like, they should have won that game. Um, so, and, Part of me is also like, don't go down 17 nothing either. either though. Oh, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But, like, 
I could be, I could look to the other two games and say there's the one particular moment that you for know sure, for sure. that was that was win or lose. I can't say that against TCU because there was such a Jekyll and Hyde for them. Yeah, but but TCU's whole deal too. I mean, it was like that Baylor game where they went up super quick because they got just a ton of breaks, but then Tech outplayed them the rest of the game. That's fair, you know. And so I just look at this. Well, and, and the point is, you know, there are four games at least, and then even even a ten point loss to Iowa State like that wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. Like the only bad result of the year really was the Oklahoma game, and other <laughs> than that, they've been pretty good. And like you know, you're talking about those four games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you win. If you win two of those games, you're bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. If you win three of those games, or four of those games, obviously, you're, like, legit in conversation for the Big 12. Yeah. Like, that's what kind of season it's been, is my point. Yeah. And, like, you just, uh, like, Matt Wells deserves a lot more credit than I think he's going to get for how well this team played this year. By um, the way, Jet Duffy, 21st <laughs> in the nation, according to PFF this year. That's pretty special, man. That is insane. That, <laughs> I think that uh, that, obviously... Um, you know, I, I think that obviously their coaching staff, their offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, uh, David Yost, deserves a lot of credit for how he's called the game mm-hmm. for, uh, oh, for for sure. Jet Duffy. Because, you know, the, the whole deal was last year's like, hey, man, he, he was playing under one of the great offensive coaches, too. Right. And and Cliff Kingsbury didn't really know what to do with them. Right. I'm just going to read a little bit of his uh, the piece here with Jed Duffy. Yeah. He ranks 29th in adjusted completion percentage, 28th in passer rating from a clean pocket, and more importantly, the country's 11th highest quarterback uh, graded quarterback on long developing passes thrown at oh, least wow. 2.6 seconds after the snap. Wow. He can buy time and allow the passing concepts to open up lanes in the secondary with great success and has completed 62% of those longer developing passes, ranking 10th. Jet Duffy is insane this season. <laughs> that is wild. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, all the credit in the world to him, man. Yeah. Here's my issue. Mm-hmm. This is where the death starts to become an issue. Yes. Jordan Brooks mm, has been hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think I know. Any word on him? I, I haven't seen, but Obviously again, he was I, knocked out of TCU. So everything that uh, basically Matt Walls just calls everything. I, actually, this is a good time. <laughs> Matt Walls has a couple different ways to describe players. Okay, mm-hmm. if they're hurt and they're still trying to figure out, he won't tell you what it is. It's a day to day upper body injury or lower body injury. Fair enough. Uh, if it's probably not this week, it's week to week. And then if you if it like becomes perfectly clear that he's going to be out for the season then he'll tell you out for the season but those are his only three ways to update players day to day week to week out for the season gotcha uh you know which whatever i mean some plenty of coaches do that a lot yeah. i know some coaches don't even he's say very it. deliberate yeah some coaches don't say anything unless a guy's out for the right, year or something right. so i and he's also big on the whole upper body injury lower body injury ah, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Be specific. like i don't think that he's actually acknowledged that alan bowman has a shoulder injury gotcha <laughs> like that's the sort of thing that we're talking that's funny. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, we still love him on this program, but <laughs> but it's it's a dumb thing, no question. Yeah. Um, but this is where the depth starts to hurt because, man, if Jordan Brooks is limited, mm-hmm. then uh, you have a really good linebacker in Rico Jeffers, and you have a bunch of youth. Mm-hmm. And we've seen in the secondary too. Obviously, Des Smith has been out for a lot of the year, and like they just don't have the same level of guy behind them. Yeah. And and this is the point of the year too, where your front seven starts to become young and starts to become banged up, even if they're not hurt. Um, and I'm just worried that Kansas State is a team that's very physical and likes to punish you for being, you know, banged up, basically. And I'm worried that uh, that also Tech 
managed to get back into that game last week because they just threw a bunch of jump balls to receivers, right? Like also they, fair. They yeah. didn't necessarily play super consistently well on offense. They kind of just made some plays. And I don't think that you are making those types of plays against Kansas State. Mm-hmm. My thing I'm wondering if we're jumping the gun a little bit on the fact that Kansas State lost to West Virginia. They haven't been they haven't been a bad team this year. No. That I'm wondering if we're just like, oh, they, you know, oh man, you know, like Kansas State, you yeah. know, they're they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in trouble, you know, what they lost to West Virginia, what a bad loss. And yeah, it's a bad loss, but like they hadn't I don't know, they hadn't underperformed all year. No. Um I'm looking at their losses. I mean, obviously that Mississippi State win looks worse in retrospect, but like God, they got they, a lot of credit. For they got a lot of credit they for still that. Are getting a lot of credit. They for did. That. They did. But it was. I think we kind. I think yeah. me and you also kind of expected them to just to even out as far as like yeah, yeah probably yeah. fall to a sub 500, just sub 500 team. Well, this and year. I do think that a lot of West Virginia last week was just Jared Daigie being really good yeah. and being better than expected right. in a lot of ways. So. Because he, I mean, he completely changes that offense. God, I'll tell you what. I mean, again, I watched, obviously, a few weeks ago on Halloween, I watched Baylor play West Virginia. West Virginia literally, it, it might have been one of the worst offense performances of all time. Right. Like, like Baylor's defense made it happen, too. Yeah. There was a lot that was just West Virginia being that horrible. Right. <sighs> Give me Tech. Okay. Give me Tech. Give me Kansas State. Okay. All right. Uh, Houston. Three-point underdogs at Tulsa, 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Houston lost 45-27 to Memphis, and Tulsa pulled off their first upset of the season, beating UCF 34-31. These two teams are very similar. They finally got one. They did. They <laughs> did. Uh, these two teams are very similar, not in terms of like their play or anything like that. No, they're similar type of – similar – you explain it. You got yeah. it worded, right? <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. They both have been very competitive against the good teams. Right. But also have clearly not been very good all season long. Right. Um, And so now with Houston, again, sort of same deal. You're working with a lot of young players. Uh, you've got a developing quarterback. I was – I mean, it is interesting whenever they put out these uh, these rankings, obviously these quarterback rankings, because mm-hmm. like Clayton like Toon's number 115 – and I mean, I, I can see why. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is like you can obviously see why. Like, in fact, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, where is like Max Duggan's number ninety two? Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, over the past couple of weeks, he's been a net positive. Obviously, right. But you still have to take into account yeah. those first month, first Actually, two months, or just uh, of the year. A little bit, of, a little bit of a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Smith is number ninety. I know, I saw that. That's, that's, an that's a little. One. And they acknowledge no quarterback has had more passes dropped this season than Smith. And it's 35 drop passes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. So, I don't... I don't. I guess, do the, I mean, that why, feels like they, they should be higher than... Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I don't Maybe know. they don't have a metric to really account for that. Yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. Oh, God. Adrian Martinez, number 85. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, I think that I look at this game and Tulsa is the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston has played a lot better on defense. Uh. Tulsa has pulled off some of those games that we've talked about, right? Like, they eventually pulled off that UCF game. And they also have, for how close Houston has played teams, uh, Tulsa's played them even closer. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? You know, both of these teams ultimately are sitting there with identical three-win seasons at the moment, and that's obviously not very good. But they also are both victims of playing in the most absolutely ridiculous division in the history of group of five football right like it's pretty bad. by far <laughs> this 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 sucks yeah it, <laughs> it's it's animal birth <laughs> this sucks man <laughs> yeah seriously it really is 
And so, um, no, I mean, like, like Tulsa has, again, a win over UCF. They have a win over San Jose State. They have a win over Wyoming, who's not bad. And, like, their losses. Like, here's all of their losses, okay? Michigan State, Oklahoma State, SMU, Navy, Cincinnati, Memphis, Tulane, and that's it. That's yeah. the list. They haven't lost to a single bad team this season. Oh. Like, their worst loss of the year is to Tulane. Yeah. Who's pretty good. Yeah. That sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously Houston in a similar boat, except for that they've got Oklahoma and Washington State on the schedule. Right. Oh, man, that sucks. So if I'm Houston, I'm happy that Tulsa got their win last week. Oh, no question. <laughs> no question. I'm happy that, like, they finally, finally broke through last week. Yeah. Because it was starting to look – they were probably like, oh, there's our win. Right. There's the one, Houston, finally. Right. Um because, yeah, God, the heartbreak that Tulsa's gone through this year, the triple overtime against SMU, the yep. missed field goal against uh, Memphis. Yeah. Um, I See, so what I get from both of these teams is, yes, they're both very similar in that they've punched above their weight for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Tulsa's done it for full games. Yeah, no And question. I think that's... I think that's why I'm leading Tulsa in this one. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I agree. And the other thing that I'll say about it is mm-hmm. they are one more experienced right mm-hmm. now and two like they are still very much in fighting for their coach's job range right exactly you know i mean like like dana is like a okay we're just developing this year like we're right. trying to win games obviously and right. like they've done a great job of trying to keep their guys competitive but at the same time like tulsa is like the if you don't win this game then your coach is gone right you know and like even if you, if do you don't win beat this game, young banged up houston right like, like they've got two games left they've got houston at home and they got ecu on the road winnable games yeah very winnable games mm-hmm. if they get to five and seven then i think that obviously they give phil montgomery another year right because i think that's i think that's improved from his 10 and 2 year right. i think that's a steady improvement from like two wins to three to five so yeah. like they get look they could point and, at that data point and he and he has his quarterback and he has his quarterback so you know and that's that's been a huge issue since dane uh dane Evans, right? Was yes. Uh, since he left, yes. so um, I, I know what I was thinking because I was like, "It's Dane Evans, right? It's not Dane Roy. That's the Houston punter." God, I have so many <laughs> dumb facts in my head. <laughs> All right, uh, TCU nineteen point underdogs at Oklahoma, seven p.m. on Fox. TCU coming off of a thirty-three thirty-one win over Tech. Oklahoma coming off of that weird ass thirty-four thirty-one win over Baylor. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nighttime in Norman. Oh, boy. What are you thinking for this one? I think that Oklahoma will be a little bit coming off of a high. Like, I think that they're going to have a slow start to this game. Okay. Um, And I don't think they're going to take TCU very seriously. And TCU can cause some real issues. At the same time, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma can both not take TCU seriously enough and also win by 21 points (laughs) against a team that... You know, all credit in the world to Max Duggan, who's made a lot of steps over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Still not a great quarterback. No. And, uh, you know, they're still really trying to patch things up on the offensive line ever since Lucas Niang, you know, ended up having that surgery. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Again, I I think that Oklahoma will come away from this game feeling very unhappy. And I also think they'll win by more than three touchdowns. <laughs> Because that's what Oklahoma can do. Right. I feel like... Because what we learned in that first half, especially with Oklahoma, yeah, is that if if a defensive coordinator gets a little feisty yeah. and decides to send five or six, 
things get they get into trouble. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering. I mean, obviously, I feel like somebody like Gary Patterson took that to notice. Oh, for He's sure. He's going to say like, "Look, if we get Jalen Hurts under pressure, this offense goes out of whack." And yeah, no, I'm not talking myself into that. Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to like, oh, yeah. maybe, and then they catch him off guard early. I could see the high thing. Your point yeah. coming coming to fruition pretty pretty well, but I feel like Oklahoma's also really mad that. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to mention the playoff that they did not take make any considerable steps forward yeah. in the playoffs. That they're going to be looking for style points, and I could see TCU unfortunately being the um, the the victim of that. <laughs> Ultimately, my concern with Oklahoma is I think that their offense is still just fine versus like its standard, and uh, I I don't know. I just I I've, think it's I'm not going to say fine. I'm going to say their their offense is really damn good as opposed to nuclear yeah 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 no i mean and again like they are top five type offense in college football obviously and i am curious too what lincoln riley exactly takes away from that last game because Mm -hmm. especially with cd lamb out um and and i haven't seen necessarily anything either way on cd lamb i didn't expect him to play because it sounded like it was a concussion thing but um but the thing that i kind of take away from that game is that well, I don't know whether they not not if they can be as explosive without him or and whether they well, should, but almost whether they should be. I was about to say I don't think they should be. I think what I mean, and you were obviously there. You saw it in person. Like what they should do without CD Lamb to take the top off defenses is one use Jalen Hurts what he should be used for, which is a battering ram to get yeah. five yards every carry. And then hit these underneath routes for five or eight yards. Yeah. Hope a receiver breaks something for an extra ten, right. and then use that. Well, and and that's what they did last week against the best defense in the Big Twelve, obviously. And right. you're in a situation playing TCU where like they're a lot younger at defensive back right now, other than Gladney and and Lewis has been hurt for almost the whole year. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a position too where okay. You really can maybe break another tackle. Yeah. You know, maybe you can break a second tackle. Like, like I think that more of those plays because actually the, the credit that you give to Baylor is like they didn't have a single passing play over twenty eight yards yeah. against Baylor. Like that's crazy, right? Like Baylor did a great job of of holding their big plays underwater, but they still managed to kind of keep things going. But like, I think obviously against TCU, just because they're so young and because they also don't have the pass rush that that Baylor has, um, you know, I think you can do that to an even higher extent. Sure. Um, again. Now, at the same time, like, Lincoln Riley, at his heart, is, you know, a big play air raid guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's somebody who has obviously posted the most explosive offenses in the history of college football. Right. Uh, so, you know, maybe he has no interest in doing that, right? Like, Fair enough. I mean, we we obviously saw, like... Who knows? He could be grooming Theo East to be that guy a year early. Right, right. So. right. And, and, I mean... I think we obviously saw, like, with, uh, you know, with, with Baylor back in 2015, you know, they... They ran, uh, obviously, like an all-run offense and proved that, oh, wait, we can literally get eight yards anytime we want running the ball, right? Uh, even if we can't pass yeah. at all. <laughs> but, like, that never was necessarily part of their offense. Sure. You know? It was so, a wrinkle that they had to just kind of c- right. pull out. So so was running the Mike Leach four-yard to play <laughs> air raid, you know, is that the future? I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know. I mean, I think, again, I, Lincoln Riley's a lot smarter than us sure, so when it sure. comes to offense. And so... Uh, I am curious whether that's a bigger part of their offense heading forward. Because I also think that, like, 
it just became a little clear. Like you don't want to put everything on Jalen Hurts' arm. No, you right. Don't. Like that's that's just not, not what I don't think that that's never been the quarterback he's been. No, like that's never even at his best. He is a quarterback who teams have to watch out for. You want a quick quick reads, yeah. right? And also you want to give him the option to go and become again become a battering ram. Yeah, you want to be a you want to be a running back at the second level. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the two biggest games of the week, both in that midday slate. Baylor, a five-point favorite against the University of Texas, 2.30 p.m. on FS1. Baylor coming off of that 34-31 loss to Oklahoma at home. Texas coming off of a 23-21 loss to Iowa State. So, again, five points. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an interesting line to me. Really? That's a a good line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you thinking? (laughs) <laughs> i see what you're doing here um because yeah. <laughs> i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> i think that baylor better get off to a good start mm-hmm. defensively especially sure um i something i've been worried about the whole year that came to fruition at the end of the oklahoma game and this might not be a trend this might just be they played 95 plays mm-hmm. is that man when you rush three that's a lot of pressure to put on three guys mm-hmm now they've gotten there with it. And, and even, like, I mean, Iowa State has run that, and their guys are nowhere near as good up front as Baylor's are, and so they've just blitzed more, and maybe that's right. just the move. But, um, you know, by the end of that game, like, pff, James Lockhart looked like he was about to pass out, you know, because he was just exhausted. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't been an issue the rest of the year, obviously. Sure. You know, they've, they've kept a strong pass rush, rush through four quarters for every other game, basically, this season. So maybe that's just playing 95 plays. Uh. I, but, yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting whether Baylor can win that matchup. Because, to me, I look at both of these units. Zach Shackelford has been pretty bad this year at center for Texas. Yeah, no. And Bravion Roy has been fantastic up the middle for Baylor. Mm-hmm. So that's the question. If you can collapse that interior offensive line, like this could get out of hand pretty quickly. And I was I, about to say, that there goes Texas's offense, right? Right. There. And... They haven't been able to run very much at all the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and even their passing game has been pretty unspectacular. Uh, no, now again, the funny thing is, like, we say all that. Sam Ellinger's been great. Right. right? Sam Ellinger's legitimately say, been excellent this year. He is 20th on the PFF rankings. Which is, he, is he the highest in uh, in Texas? No. Uh, maybe. Oh, funny. Uh, without looking, who's, who's right behind Sam Ellinger? Right behind Sam Ellinger? Yeah. It's a Texas quarterback. Like like better or worse? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, t- he's twentieth. Who's twenty first? Oh, I think that you, you said Duffy. Already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, making sure. Yeah, yeah, just going yeah, back. Yeah. But that's yeah, just, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, no, Charlie Brewers is uh, <laughs> is fifteenth. For everything that everybody. Oh said wait, about- sorry. I'm still scrolling. Shane Bichelle's twelfth. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. I'm probably gonna keep scrolling and find more players that I don't even know about. No, that's yeah. it. Max Duggan ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. Uh, Brewer is the highest at twelfth. Or uh, Bichelle is the highest. Bichelle and then Brewer and then yeah. okay. Ellinger. That's interesting. Um, but anyway, um, the, the thing that I'm interested about yeah. is that I think that if you're Baylor, the other thing too is you have to, like, it's an outdated whatever. You have to establish a run in this game, mm-hmm. and it can't just be the quarterback run, like, right? Like you have to try running the ball with Lovett. Again, I said it last week. Jamichael Hasty was the Bears' leading running back, and he had three carries yeah. the entire game. <laughs> I mean, I understand what Oklahoma does and mm-hmm. what they're trying to take away. Mm-hmm. Come on. Right. You know, like, the other thing, too, is that you've got, obviously, an inconsistent offensive line. They got a lot better once they put Connor Galvin back in at left tackle. But, like, you've got an offensive line that needs to be able to uh, to, to run block. And you've got three 
running backs and, and actually even a fourth if Craig Williams is healthy. You mm-hmm. know, you've got Michael Hasty, who's been pretty good this year. Got John Lovett, who's been pretty good his whole career at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Tristan Ebner, who it seems like they're a little bit reluctant to put back in running situations. He's still coming back from some injuries. Yeah. You got to try. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell are you doing? You right. know, what I mean, there's nobody on this Texas defensive line that's going to kill you. No, there's nobody on this Texas linebacking core that's really going to kill you, other than like Joseph Osai. Right. Like, you don't have to run right up the middle at like Keandre Coburn. Like, try to get to the edge, right. and there's nobody there. I'm wondering if I'm Texas. Yeah, I look at last week, mm-hmm. and I say we're going to control the ball. Yes, we're going to play vintage Herman ball. Yeah. Which is, we're going to run Ellinger, we're going to run Ingram, we're going to run Roshan Johnson. They combined 40 times. Yeah. And we're just going to make sure that Charlie Brewer has five minutes to operate a half. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're, I mean, again, going back to last season, we haven't really, we haven't seen it this season because they haven't needed to. They've been explosive and, you know, big plays have been a thing and yeah. they haven't really been stopped. But going against this defense yeah. and knowing what your defense is. Yeah. I feel like this needs to be the game plan. You need to be able to make sure that Baylor's on the field. Baylor's defense is on the field for 35 minutes. So here's my question. Yeah. And this this is like a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. For Texas. Yes. Is this game... Is this game a playoff game? Is this your Super Bowl right now? Like, mm-hmm. is this your... We have to pull out every single stop because losing to Baylor would mean this is a disaster. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, because you look at the schedule right now, what's their marquee win this season? Is it Kansas State? It's losing to LSU. It's losing to LSU, right? <laughs> That's what it's putting up the best fight as anybody's done against LSU, which, granted, that is true. That it's is a, a true statement. Fight. That is a true statement. That yeah. is the best fight LSU's had this year. Um, and, and a quick aside, yeah. I feel like Alabama's getting way too much credit for that game being close when it was really never close. Oh, no, no, it was a last minute touchdown. Um, that made it that close. But anyway. Yes, you need a marquee win if you're Texas. Yeah. There's not, there's literally nothing you can point to yeah. other than a loss, yeah. <laughs> which is still a loss, right. to say that, man, this season was a step forward. Now, if you beat the Baylor team that right. really pushed Oklahoma and really has a top-tier defense and really is very ahead of schedule and looks to be the next big thing in the Big 12 right now, yes, okay, that is a notch in your hat. Right. That's a feather and says, look, 2019 wasn't a bust. We yeah. took step forwards. We were able to control the ball right. against a very, very good Baylor team. Yeah, you need. They need this win because I'm sorry, beating Tech's not going to do it. No, congrats. Like, right. <laughs> cool, you beat Tech. Right, great. Uh, sure, but they need this win. And I'll, my the only problem with that strategy is I don't know if they're. This year they made a concerted effort not to run Ellinger as much. Yeah, and I don't know. I well, don't know if that's, that's just... the reason I ask that, though. Is, do, do you think you, they were saving him for this well, yeah, game, something like this game? Well, you look at Brewer last week. Right. He ran all over the place that's against true. Oklahoma. You know, yeah. I think that obviously you save it for the big games. And my question is, like, if you're Texas, like... The, re- the other reasons that I think that maybe you just have to sell out and literally do anything, you know, play any red shirts, play, like, whatever, you know, run mm-hmm. your best stuff, run your trick plays. The, one reason that, the other reason that I think that you have to maybe do that is because... Look, Baylor's going to make the Big 12 title game. They only have to beat Kansas to do it. Right. Right. Like, that's probably over and done with. Right. But if you can at least sell to Texas fans that, hey, we still beat Baylor in this season, and this program hasn't passed us. Because remember, both of these guys were hired at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fact that Matt Rule has gone from one of them had a much worse uh, job than (laughs) the the fact that they went from 1-11 to now 
you know, if they win this game 11 and 1 mm-hmm. in the amount of time that Texas went from 5 and 7 back to 7 and 5. Right. I mean, I think that's something that you have to sell. Like, I think that this is a must-win game for Texas. Oh, for and, sure. And like this, I think it is. This is a hey, we really want to win this game for Baylor, but this is a we might have to set the place on fire right. if Texas loses this game. If and, Texas loses by a lot, yeah. If, if, Tex- if Texas gets blown out, like we are, I mean, it won't happen, but we would legit be on Herman watch, right? <laughs> He'll know? get right. He'll get twenty twenty, but it's yeah. definitely going to be on. It, Herman's definitely going to make a coaching change somewhere on his staff, yeah. right? Um, Which, again, I mean, we talked about it on, on Sunday. To me, like, I think that the reason why it's so hard to have success at these places is because you can't have continuity. Right. And for for me, I would say, shut up. Todd Orlando is clearly a good coach. Right. Let's, let's not do this right now. But obviously, you're at Texas. You can't do that. Here's why I'm going to go with Baylor. Okay. Because I, you know, we, we, I, I laid out my opinion of what the game plan needs to be for Texas, right? Yeah. Sam Ellinger needs to be a part of that. Yeah. They didn't run him against Oklahoma. That's weird. That's weird. Because we, I think that that was kind of the thing we kind of talked about leading into that game was, oh man, you know they didn't run him against LSU. He's throwing really well. They're saving him for Oklahoma. Yeah. They did not run him against Oklahoma. That's kind of you look weird. at you look at the regular box score. You see twenty three rushes, but that's because he was sacked like ten times. That right. <laughs> Those count as rushes. Hey, 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 eight times. Sorry, eight times. <laughs> so yes, he was under pressure a lot. There were not a lot of design runs against Oklahoma, and that's the game that you would think you would break that out for. Yeah, I, that's why I don't think they win because I don't think I just don't. For some reason, I don't think he's part of their run game anymore. I think that they really push. They're really putting it on Rashawn Johnson and Keontae Ingram. Which, sure, I can understand, but in the end, as much as we've liked Rashawn Johnson's transition, he's a quarterback playing running back. You right. have a bulldozer at quarterback. Right. I don't understand why it's been such a concerted effort to make him into a passer when you have your best running back playing quarterback right now, especially with Jordan Whittington out and Keontae Ingram being banged up, not you know not quite taking that step forward that we wanted him to take this season, partially due to injury. But I just think ground and pound, control the clock is the way to go, and I, apparently they're not committed to that this season. I think they have absolutely no choice because I mean, they don't. I don't think they do either. I just don't think last they do. week. Last week they posted fifty-four rushing yards against right. Iowa State, right? And uh, and granted, like they actually didn't hand the ball off near enough, right? right. Like, they threw the ball forty times, right? Uh, and granted, and, and I know a lot of people's issue was that it was un- uneventful or unimaginative throwing, and like yeah. you know, very a lot of screens yeah. and you know things like that. But yeah, um, but you know, ultimately, I think that you literally have no choice, right? Because I'm sorry, Keontae Ingram has not been good this year. No, he's been a non-factor. I mean, this again, year. part of it is injury. For sure, right? it's not all his fault. But but, but there's a, and part of it is, is that the offensive line. Well, I was say offensive line's been really bad too. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, there's context for sure. But like, Ingram has been pretty unspectacular, and he's been especially bad in any meaningful game at all. Yeah. You know, and Roshan Johnson had some moments, mm-hmm. but like you said, first of all, it's a true freshman. Second of all, it's a true freshman who's supposed to be playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, like, that that's just, again, and I said this actually, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was before the TCU game or before K-State or whatever. At some point, you can't rely on a true freshman running back, really any any mm-hmm. true freshman running back, for consistent offense in big games. Right. He can be a part of your offense, mm-hmm. but I just think that assuming, that you know, unless you've got Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins, right. and like 
we just don't necessarily know that that's the case right now, obviously, with Roshan Johnson. Unless you've got one of those just can't-miss guys who's extremely ready, it's just so much to ask to put everything on a true freshman running back because he's going to get bigger over the next couple of years, and that's going to help him a lot. Yeah. But until that happens, I, I'm just worried. But, again, the thing that I'll say is I think that Texas is literally going to try everything to win this game because they have to yeah and because obviously if they lose this game like the big 12 title is out now they're already probably out like, right, I mean, that's right, probably right. already Barring over a miracle but like then you're eliminated then baylor's eliminated you from the big 12 title game after you were just there last year and then on top of that i think that you worry again that then baylor's kind of passed you yeah just you know, just as a program, right? And and obviously, like Texas Tech, like that. yes, financially, yes. Put the tweets down. Yes, yeah. Baylor will never have as much money right. and oil, uh, booster support, right, right. all that stuff. But, but like, we're talking about right now, program right. will have passed Herman's program, right? And that is a freaking disaster. That yes, and so I think that Texas is going to find a way to pull it out. Okay, um, and win outright. Okay, especially because I think that one Baylor's fans, I think, are going to be just not. Up for going to this I was game. about to say that's also there's After also gonna week. be yeah there's also gonna be some there's gonna be a factor. big letdown I think yeah. from the fans perspective mm-hmm. um I don't think there will be necessarily from the players perspective but no I think the the players are definitely I feel like the players are definitely out to prove that that first well, half was more indicative of what right. they are well and and the thing is too is like if they were playing K-State this week right I think then we have a conversation about letdown it's Texas spots. It's Texas. A lot of these guys wanted to go to Texas, probably didn't get offered by Texas. There's, hey, there's hey, a big motivation. I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Did you know that okay. Charlie Brewer didn't get an offer from oh Texas? <laughs> how many times are we going to – if Baylor wins, <laughs> how many times is that going to get there? It's not like Texas has a good quarterback <laughs> right now or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all right, yeah. That's going to get thrown in my face a lot if they win. I, I am – once again, very excited for this game. This the week. cool matchup. I mean, the cool matchup is the one that I feel like everybody should be talking about, which is the like Travis Westlake element to this. Yeah, Come on, sure, that's the sure. fun part of this. No, no question. And yeah. uh, hey, you know what? Sam Ellinger has never beaten a Lake Travis quarterback. That's true. Unless I'm forgetting something no, else in the Big Twelve. Did he be, didn't they upset Baker? Oh yeah, yeah, they upset Baker. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay. Well, whatever. He's never beaten Lake Travis, right? <laughs> oh Baker, poor Baker, yeah. man. <laughs> Was it Baker or was it Ky- No, because he beat Kyler. That was obviously not like Travis. Did he beat Baker? Did he lose to Baker? Wait. I cannot remember. Let's see. 2016. Ooh. Yeah, because... Red River. Oh, my God. This is great podcasting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have been off today. <laughs> yeah. Golly. I'm trying to find... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Vamp, I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and start talking about the next game. Go for it. Uh, you know, our last one of the weekend. So Texas A&M, 13.5 point underdogs at Georgia, 2.30 p.m. on CBS. Uh, A&M coming off a 36 win over South Carolina, mm-hmm. team that beat Georgia. And Georgia coming off a 21-14 win over Auburn. So, <laughs> yeah. here is the nightmare stretch. Playing Georgia and playing LSU in back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I'll say about Georgia. No, he's not. He's not beaten. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about that? <laughs> well, and the funny thing too is that uh, Ellinger actually hasn't played 
like a game against Baylor because he got hurt in the first drive last year, and in right. 2017 it was Shane Bouchel. Bouchel. Yep. And so, which was actually Charlie Brewer's first start. So we haven't actually had the Lake Travis Westlake thing as yet. There you go. Uh, so we've had it from the Baker perspective, but not from the yeah. the yeah. actual guys that played against each other. <laughs> right. So that should be some fun. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that <sighs> Texas needs to win this game. That's like, what, I mean, they do. They really do. Or, or like again, this season went from oh man, that sucked to oh no. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Something's wrong. Right. We got help. We got to fire everybody. Anyway, yeah. uh, so here's the deal with Georgia. Georgia, like they're dominant, but like, man, their offense is very ordinary. It's so bad. I'm, I'm gonna say it's bad. Like, okay. and it's bad by design. <laughs> That's yeah. the frustrating yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. They have a first round quarterback in Jake Fromm who. I think is a legitimately great quarterback. Excuse me, not- he is a second-round quarterback to the Chicago Bears. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody's going to the Chicago Bears. Please help They're me. They're going to take both Fromm and Mason Fine. They're going to fight in the cage in help preseason. Help me. <laughs> um, but, yes, I think Jake Fromm is a legitimately great yeah. quarterback who's yeah. shackled yeah. to throwing 20 times a game. Ironically, he threw way more last week. Right. Uh, but nothing, nothing about this offense is imaginative, and that's why I'm – that's why this line's really frustrating to me. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't Again, their offense is not great. Their defense is everything. I don't think AM's offense is good enough to take advantage of it. You might have this up in front of you, but do you know so Jake Fromm threw the ball twenty eight times. Do you know how many yards he had? Oh god. Is it like ninety four? I don't know. Close. One ten. <laughs> oh my god. But he, he threw the ball twenty eight times. He had 110 yards, but he had three touchdowns and no picks. I swear to God, if Chad Morris is not on Kirby Smart's radar this offseason. He doesn't offseason, want it, though. He I know, I know. He's a defensive coach, be... and he wants Ugh. his defense to be off the field for 90% of the game. <laughs> if any of us were wondering what uh, what Nick Saban would look like if he just never grew. Oh, it's Kirby Smart. It would be Kirby right. Smart. Yeah. Oh, man. And they're going to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ed Orgeron looked at it and said, you know what? We should modernize <laughs> this offense. <laughs> Hey, hey, uh, hey, Steve, Steve Ensminger, uh, yeah. does this suck? <laughs> Should we go get that uh, guy from the Saints? Joe Brady? Yeah. <laughs> Should we do something about Oh, my God. I, I mean, I, I, I do love uh, running Joe Burrow yeah, love- <laughs> 25 times a game, but I, <laughs> can we do more? <laughs> I do love having Joe Burrow only throw 30 times a game oh, for man. five yards. But. Oh, man. Uh, but, and again, I think you're right. I think that. Fromm is largely shackled. Yeah, uh, I think he's a great quarterback. He gets so much because obviously he looks pedestrian in a pedestrian right. offense, but uh, yes. but he's really good at executing what they want. Yeah. And what they want is goddamn garbage. <laughs> oh my god! Do you know what? <laughs> oh, know this what, is oh god! What, what do we got? Jake Fromm's line against Kentucky was. Oh no. <laughs> what he, is it? He was nine for twelve for thirty-five yards. <laughs> And they won twenty eight. They one to won nothing. by three oh touchdowns. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! 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 I this is this is a good reminder that winning games is not worth it. Oh my god. It's not worth it's it to terrible. watch this product. <laughs> this is bad. All right. That anyway, sucks. Anyway, anyway back so, to A and M. So <laughs> anyway, this is why I like A and M to potentially cover because yeah. I just Georgia hasn't looked impressive. Yeah. Um well and and so if you look at Georgia, right? They've played they've played really well against bad teams, yeah. right? Like Missouri's been bad this year. They won right. 27-0. Kentucky's been bad this year, 21-0. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tennessee's been bad. They won by 29. Uh in the games against well, and then obviously South Carolina being the exception. Sure. But uh in the games against 
decent teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they have played three ranked teams to this point, right. um, like legit, legit ranked teams, mm-hmm. right? Like they played Auburn. I think these are all top fifteen teams: Auburn, Florida, and, and I think Notre Dame might be sixteen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty good teams. And I think that A and M is around that level, right? Um, now, again, the big deal that we talked about before is road Kellen Mond versus home Kellen Mond. Fair enough. You know, if this game was at home, I think that they, I mean, they wouldn't do it. I think they'd have an upset shot. They have a shot. But on the road, that's tougher. Uh, Now, now again, I mean, like, that's not to say Kellen Mond's been bad by any means, but, like, they just need him to be outstanding. Well, here's my thing. Yeah. So, let's take Ian Book, Notre Dame's Ian Book, and put him in a separate category, right? Yeah. Which one of these, on this schedule... Name me a quarterback. Name me a team that has a better quarterback than Kellen Mond. Well, let's go through real quick. So, so let's take. Ian, I'm, I'm going to yeah. say Ian Book is better than Kellen Mond. Sure, right. But I, I also think it's close. It's close, right? And, yeah. So Vanderbilt, no. Murray State, no. Arkansas, State, Arkansas State has an interesting quarterback, but obviously that's not the same thing, right? Um, you know, because their team just mm-hmm. isn't at that level. Tennessee, no. Uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina, hell no. Kentucky was playing Lynn Dodd in a quarterback, so no. Uh, Kyle Trask, no. Okay, it was Trask, so no. Um, and then Kelly was, Bryant, no. Kelly Bryant is man, that's nope. been a weird season. And Bo Nix, <laughs> no. Bo Nix, no. So, and look, and, and you look at the games with the yeah. with the better quarterbacks on the schedule. You no look question. at Ian Book, right? Yeah. Six point win. You look at Kyle Trask, seven point win. Yeah. Bo Nix, seven point win. Yeah. That, and those are the, just the teams that have had okay quarterbacks, right? Okay quarterbacks. I think Georgia has not been tested that much by no. good quarterbacks. No. I feel I'm going to take AM to cover. Give me the points because I feel that one, Georgia's offense is not going to score that much at all by design. Yeah. And I feel that if, if Kellen Mond can squeak out 14, yeah. 10 to 14, yeah. right? Which I think they can if Spiller sure. gets going. If, they, if this offense generates something, I feel like it's going to be around that game. It's going to be around that type of one touchdown, six to eight point game. Well, and the other thing that you say is that you look at Anum's defense. Mm-hmm. The thing that they're best at is rush defense. Yeah, you know they've been very good up front this year. And my God, does Georgia want to try and run the ball? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my God, does yeah, Georgia like, really, really, really want? To, they they're basically they're a good they're an, they're a pretty good rushing team, yeah. but <laughs> they would throw water on rock for twelve hours if they could. <laughs> That's their it's, rushing offense to awful. a fault. Like, ugh, man, it's it's, and again, like that's obviously it's by the safest way to play football. Yeah, and then you get a team in here, and and granted, I think the bigger issue might be that Jimbo's just not that coach who's gonna go wild ass, right? You know, I mean, because like Kevin Sumlin was like, I don't know, man, yeah. like let's <laughs> let's throw fifty times and have him right. get in the track meet, right? <laughs> right, like Cliff Kingsbury just being like. Right, hell yeah! yeah. Let's, let's try something. Right, uh, you know, maybe Jimbo's just gonna be like, well, let's let's just you know throw an eight yard out and right. be done with it. You know, I mean, maybe that's just we're gonna run Spiller twenty five times a yeah. game. <laughs> Which I mean, they should it's run him. Knows, but he's, but he's gonna, yeah, he should get carries. But it, against but, his defense, uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, you don't expect him to have a great game, but you know, yeah. he can maybe have an okay game. Right. Um, again, we talked about it earlier this week too. The development of their tight end, Jen Wittermeyer, has mm-hmm. been a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's been a big difference both in their passing and run game so far this season yeah i i just am curious one are they gonna run mond mm-hmm. two which they never do but you know yeah. you can wish yeah. <laughs> we can help <laughs> god please uh you know two um you know with mond are you gonna let him unleash a little bit down the field yeah uh because you have to 
You have to. Mm-hmm. You can't try to throw into windows against this defense. Are you kidding me? Like this right. is this is an NFL defense. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like you just can't try that. You're not going to win every single time if you don't try to spread them out. Yeah. And uh, and again, Mond is a good enough quarterback that he can cause some issues for those teams. And I, I think that actually it's funny. I I mean maybe the LSU game being an exception. Like we haven't had a Kellen Mond game where they actually like just pulled off a win based mm-hmm. off of Kellen Mond just going crazy. And like he has it in him. He absolutely has it in him. And I mean, maybe it just won't ever truly be unleashed in mm-hmm. this offense and this system and this coaching staff, but like it's in there somewhere. I, again, if this game was at home, right. I think I that feel, it would I, be an interesting upset pick. Right. I don't know if I can go that far. I can't go that far, but I can say it's going to be within 10. And uh, look, the other thing too, man, is you're A&M and like you have to play at Georgia and at LSU. And this is sort of a building year. This was always a building year, in my opinion, just because of the schedule and because of the roster. You have a chance now to go and make a legit statement. Yeah. You know, because that was the whole deal last year. It's like you did that when you went and played LSU and it was a dumbass game and it you know, in the grand scheme of things, like it's not like it helped the season in any truly meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But you sold to people, man, we can play with the LSUs of the world. And now you're going to go play two of the top four teams who are where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And you have a chance to show we can compete with those teams. Because you look at you look at a schedule this year, they've handled business better than in previous seasons. Sure. You know, they haven't had that letdown where they lost. Arkansas, whatever. I mean, you know, that's one, it's a rivalry game too, like, it's a thing that happened, right? right? Like, but they pulled off that game. You know, they pulled off that game against Mississippi State. They pulled off that game against Ole Miss. They pulled off that game and dominated against South Carolina in a game that I felt like was a classic letdown spot for a mm-hmm. You know, a look-ahead spot would probably be the better way to put it. And they just pummeled them into the dirt. And that's what you need. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, you separated yourself from the bottom to slightly middle tier. Mm-hmm. You got to get into that top tier. Right. Can you get the Georgia? Can you get the LSU? And the answer might be no to both, and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Also, <clears throat> I'm just going to throw this out there for our Aggie friends. Hey, y'all want to take a step ahead of Texas in terms of the narrative? <laughs> <laughs> eight and four. <laughs> y'all, eight and four in the SEC with a win over Georgia. Like... <laughs> you want to y'all want to y'all want to take a little y'all want to take something out of that? I know you don't want to argue about who 7 and 5 with a loss to LSU was better. Oh my I gosh. know you that don't want to argue the discussion that. You want to have You do not want to have an actual feather in the cap <laughs> and say look who beat Georgia. Look who went 8 and 4 in the SEC. And actually, we can then even have the arguments about whose win over Georgia was more meaningful. Ooh, that is, oh, that is very true. <laughs> Oh my gosh! See, play the damn game. See, God. play the damn game. But for now, if you want to be petty, beat Georgia, and then yeah. you can take some wind out of Texas sales. So there you go. I love college football, man. I know, right? It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, so again, um, I think that <laughs> the schedule again is really weird. No morning games at all. Uh, but then you got a bunch of meat in that two thirty slate. Obviously, you finish up with a couple interesting ones: Tech versus Kansas State, um, TCU at Oklahoma. Um, but but really, if you're going to watch football, you better get the dual screens going for that two thirty slate because that that two thirty slate is going to be pretty awesome. Whew. All right. Um, obviously, keep an eye on the Division Two and Division Three playoffs, and I mean that absolutely seriously because Charleston State and Mary Harden Baylor both have very legitimate title shots. And actually, if you talk to Corey, we talked about it on the Premium Pod, which you should also go t- check out at textfootball.com. Uh, you know, we we talked about it. If Commerce beats Tarleton too, 
they have a very good path there too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Commerce is really good. They just so happen to play a team that's finished two seasons undefeated. <laughs> right. That sucks. <laughs> you know, like that's just tough. And so, uh, yeah, keep a close eye on that game. I also have a story up right now. I don't know if you saw that play uh, from the UT Permian Basin game, um, but basically they got a pick six and their sophomore linebacker actually turned and handed it off to a senior teammate so that he could run in for the touchdown um, on, on senior day. It was, that was the last very game. cool. Yeah, it was yeah. a very cool highlight. Yeah, so I, I kind of got the inside story behind that, and actually there's a little bit more to it than I kind of realized. Uh, you know, obviously the guy who scored the touchdown is like not just – obviously it's a four-year program. He's the best player in program history, but like mm-hmm. – he finished his career with like 530 tackles. Uh, he was the active leader among all three divisions of uh, uh, all three classifications, rather, of NCAA football. Mm-hmm. Um, when he finished his career last week, he led the nation across all divisions in uh, in tackles so far. Now Evan Weaver is probably going to pass, but like right. he's second. He's second. Yeah. You know, so like top two uh, on the year with 157 tackles in 11 games, like. This dude's a, a guy, man. Like, this is a guy that you need to know. And um, so got a little bit of backstory behind that. It's pretty cool. Um, big moment for that UT Permian Basin program because that was their first ever full-on senior day. So kind of cool. All right. Uh, have fun this weekend, and we'll be back with you guys again on Sunday. <laughs>